Hi there. Welcome to the From Lab to Launch podcast by Qualio, where we share inspiring stories from the people on the front lines of life sciences. Tune in and leave inspired to bring your life-saving products to the world. Now let's get started with Robert, Qualio founder and CEO, and our show host. Ram is a managing partner at FreeMind Consultants, which helps life sciences organizations secure non-dilutive funding from U.S. federal agencies and private foundations. FreeMind Consultants started in 1999 and since then has grown into the largest consulting group of its kind, with experience in seeking funding from nearly all NIH institutes, Department of Defense, NSF, FDA, BARDA, and more, in addition to private foundations, they've helped clients garner over $1.5 billion to date. And awards range from $150,000 all the way up to $150 million per project. For over a decade, Ram Mehran has been a leading figure within FreeMind. If funding is on your mind for your life sciences company, you need to consider what Ram has to say in this podcast. Ram, really excited to have you join the show today. You work in an area, I think, that's of incredible interest to basically every company that we interact with. And I I think in particular, when it comes to funding and life sciences, it's traditionally been like a really capital intensive business. And although that's going down to some degree over over time, I think it's still an incredibly important area. So I just want to start off and I'd love to hear a bit more about you, what brought you to FreeMind and, you know, how you help companies. Well, maybe starting just a little bit about what FreeMind is, because I think the context here is very, very important. You're right. I mean, funding is ultimately what's what it's all about. And, you know, infamous valley of death, all life science companies hear and fear from is pretty much what we're trying to deal with or help our clients deal with, help the industry deal with. Very, very quickly, the valley of death, obviously, is that, that point where a company it has a, a great idea, a great product. They've been, they went through the lab, they've done great work, but now to move forward, to test it on people, they actually need to spend tens of millions of dollars. And just, just being able to reach to this kind of money is difficult. And, and so many companies just can't do that. And, and there, there's not enough money there. And so what we try to do is we've, we've figured out, we've found that there's a huge amount of money out there that people to a great degree are not aware of. The government, primarily the federal government, but there are other sources, private sources as well, provide substantial financial support to research and development in the life sciences. And when I talk about substantial, it's it's way over $60 billion a year. That's oh, a wow. lot of money. Now, yeah. it's true. They will all tell you that it's go, it goes primarily to universities and research conducted. It's absolutely true. But, you know, the NIH alone, their SBAR program awards over $1 billion each and every year. That's more than any other VC out there. Even the large $2 billion VCs don't give away $2 billion each and every year. The Mm -hmm. SBR program for NIH alone, not talking about NSF, CDC, FDA, the DOD, in addition to that, just SBR SBR at NIH is over $1 billion a year in in awards. And the beauty of it all, it's (laughs) non-dilutive. I mean, there's literally no shares you give no royalty payments you pay, no paybacks. And, and, and so I don't claim, we don't claim this is the sort of money that will sustain a company to success, but it's definitely a strategic source that should not be ignored. 
and way too many people in the industry are just not aware of what's out there. They just don't know. They think either it's the old grants they used to write when they were, you know, graduate students at, at, at some professor's lab, or it's the very small SBR for $100,000. Both are just not true. Last year, our largest award for a single client was over $40 million for a single award. They don't do just early stage uh, preclinical. They do a lot of translation. They do a lot of digital health. They do a lot of clinical phase one, phase two, phase three support. And so this is a strategic source of funding. But as with any market, there are difficulties. It's not easy. It's very hard to identify the right funding opportunity. NIH alone has 27 different institute centers. Some of them are uh, overlapping in what they do. I mean, if you develop an Alzheimer's-focused therapeutics or, or, or device or whatever, you know, the NINDS, National Institute for Neurological uh, Disorders and Stroke, seems to be the right place. But the Aging Institute, National Aging Institute, has a great Alzheimer's program as well. So which one do you pick? The DOD, Department of Defense, under the CDMRP or under the VA, will have additional money for Alzheimer's. The ADDF, the private foundation, has yet more money dedicated to Alzheimer's research. Where do you go to match the money that you need for your particular project? That's what we try to help our clients with. Know where to go, navigate through this system, which is huge, and then help them write the applications to maximize their potential of winning. And we're able yeah. to bring our clients about 100 to $150 million each and every year. That's a lot of money. Yeah, and on that, Ram, just for those people who aren't well-versed, uh, you mentioned a lot of acronyms, which tells me this is all government bodies and government funding. You mentioned SBR a few times. So NIH being, I think everybody's familiar with the National Institutes right. of Health and their work. The SBR, maybe you could so, explain to people what that is. Right. So the NIH, of course, is National Institutes of Health, uh, which is the largest organization. It's under the HHS, the Department for for Health and Human Services, and their budget is about $43 billion a year, uh, two-thirds of which are awarded to external research. About a third is used internally in their own labs. About two-thirds are awarded to external research, both at industry companies and at universities, and, and by the way, all across the world, not only to American companies or, or universities. Uh, the SBIR is the Small Business Innovative Research Program. SBIR is dedicated to support only small companies. Small companies would be under 200 employees, if I'm not wrong. And I'm not sure, it's either 200 or 500. I need to check that. But as far as I remember, it's 200, under 200 employees. And they need to be owned at least 51% by American citizens. So no non-Americans can get an SBIR program. The SBIR program has three phases. Oh. But the first two are the most important ones. Phase one usually are short, six to, to 12 months, and they're not huge in funding. They're kind of the, um, the doorway. You step in, right? And the phase one, usually you'll get about $250,000 in direct cost and about 40% on, on top of that for indirect cost for overheads. The real jam, though, is the SBR phase two, because once you win an, an SBR phase one, you're eligible once you complete that, you're eligible to submit for an, a phase two. And a phase two could be between a million and a half and, and up to a uh, $3 million sometimes even. So, so that could be substantial money. Again, all of it is non-dilutive, completely non-dilutive, no strings attached, no royalty payments, no matching funds, no restrictions whatsoever. So this is the SBIR program, very, very important program. But it's just a, a relatively small program, you know, $1 billion out of 
43 billion. There are many others. And then each federal agency will have their own SBIR program. Uh -huh. So you have an NSF SBIR, you have an FDA SBIR, you have a, a DOD SBIR. Again, each, each is yeah. focusing on a slightly different focus scientifically. So I think just the message is there's an incredible uh, amount that's there. How would you suggest people look at this versus more traditional venture funding? Well, I wouldn't suggest to give up on venture funding. Uh, venture funding is incredibly important, but there, are, you know, it gives you a different, different uh, type of funding, if you will. First and foremost, it's important to remember it's non-dilutive. So for early stage companies, for entrepreneurs, to keep as much as they can of their company is crucial. Uh, obviously, any money coming in from a VC or from a family office or angel, they'll need to pay in shares. Government doesn't take shares in your company. It's all yours. So that's an important part. It's kind of free money. It's not completely free, but it's kind of free money. But beyond the cash, which is obviously the main point, there are other additional, very substantial attributes. Probably the most important one is the fact that a dollar coming from NIH or from the Department of Defense or from BARDA is worth a lot more than a dollar coming from any other investor. And the reason is that mm. to go through the process of winning an award from NIH or BARDA or DOD, you go through a review process conducted by the top researchers in the world. And so once you're there, once you get scored for your science, you basically get a seal of approval from the top researchers in the world, from your dream advisory board, if you will. Uh -huh. um, all those people you would love to have on your advisory board have reviewed your research, your science, and not only that they gave you a score, you know, how good are you? And it's a scale, so you can compare it to other projects you've submitted, but also they've, they, they've given you a, a full report with every detail of what they think is good or bad or should be fixed. And that's really great. And there are several studies showing that once a company receives money from non-dilutive funding within a certain period of time, several years, this $1 will accumulate into $8 on, on average because venture capital uh, investors or other investors, they love to see that you are able to bring on your own as an entrepreneur, B, that it's free money, even better, they get more shares, right? And C, that the top researchers in the, in the world told them that this is good mm -hmm. science. So actually getting non-dilutive funding is a great pathway towards getting more and in better terms, venture money or other type of investments. Yeah. What's the catch? Well, there is none. It's a lot of okay. work. Success yeah. rate is very low. But then again, you know, it's about single digit to 12, 15% uh, wow. on average. That's not easy. But then again, if you ask any CEO when they start raising money from the venture market, I don't think you get to better success rates. It doesn't take less time. It's about a year. To, to get the final decision on an award takes about eight months. So it takes time. And then you need to report on everything you do. But then again, as in with any other investor, I can't believe any investor will give you $3 million and not expect to hear what you've done with the money. So I don't think it's that different. I just think it's a different you know, uh, state of mind. It's a different way of approaching mm -hmm. science. Uh, but there isn't really a catch in the sense of yeah. what you pay. And I'm curious, do most successful life sciences companies take this path generally as well as an addition to traditional sources? Well, yes, I believe so. No. So this is actually very interesting. We've conducted, much like you guys, we really like to see, we work with about 
200, 250 companies a year. And we yeah. submit about 800 applications every year. So we've got a huge database accumulated over just over 21 years we've been in business, right? So we basically took uh, our entire database between 2013 and 2016 and we wanted, and we asked ourselves a, a question. So we know what our clients did as far as NIH or DOD or non-delivery funding is concerned. How did they do with, with the market? How good businesses are they? And we've just started researching, right? Mm-hmm. And we found amazing statistics. We actually found that companies with a score at NIH, not even those that were awarded the money, but those that got a good score, 21% of them have exited through an M&A or, or an IPO within four years. So basically what you've just asked me, yes, companies who do well there, surprise, surprise, good science ultimately wins, right? So companies who, who got good score on their science because NIH doesn't really review how good a manager you are or how good a market you've got. They look into your science. How solid is your data? How good is your research plan? How great is your background to do what you claim you want to do? So companies with good science, good teams, and good research plan ended up you know, getting an IPO or, or an M&A within a fairly short period of time with you know, 10x, 17x, 20 plus x on the money. Yeah, okay. And I'm curious with you folks being part in the business, right, of helping people be successful here. It sounds incredibly complicated. Do you, do you have any stats to share on, I guess, assuming the merits of the business are good, which you can't control for? Um, do you have any stats to share on like the delta between do it yourself versus work with somebody like you folks to navigate? You know, we, we can only compare ourselves to publicly uh, yeah. available data, right? We, we don't have any other uh, source of data. And on average, we would get to about two to three times the, the uh, NIH or DOD or BARDA average. Uh, again, it's a very tricky uh, thing to mm. figure out because there are dozens of different mechanisms. Yeah. Of each of them is a bit different and each review group is different, obviously, from the next. So you kind of mm-hmm. comparing not apples and oranges, but different types of apples, if you will. So yeah. it ranges between different numbers, but on all of them, we see between two and three times the average. You know, we, can, we get about twice as successful as the others. Yeah, this is really incredibly insightful. I really appreciate you sharing all this, Ram. I guess t- making this actionable for people who might be listening and are in this certain different paths or stages of their business, at what point would a business be where it would make sense to consider these application pathways and consider maybe working with, with folks like you? Well, considering non-dilutive funding at, at, at the very beginning, before you even spin out of university. I mean, all companies I know within the life sciences have spun out of universities at, you know, at one point or another. All contact got into the university still, their founder or the professor they used to work with, whatever. There are programs within NIH, within DOD, within those sources of funding, within those agencies, there are programs designed to support collaboration between university and, 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 and industry. So first thing you do, you look into an STTR. That's another acronym that focuses on, on academia industry collaboration. And you put together an, an application to get money for the work you've already done anyways with yourself, you know, between yourselves and, and the professor you used to work with at the university where, where this innovation came out of. That, that's a start. Um, then you submit SBIR. Some of the programs, like an R21 application, for example, mechanism of funding, is designed to support very early stage research, even exploratory type research where you don't have a lot of data. This is where you start. Once you've got more data, you know, you move on to an R01, a U01, 
all different mechanisms of funding, doesn't matter. So that's really important as early as possible. When do you engage with us? Hey, you know, we're biased here. It's important <laughs> as far as I'm concerned uh, because yeah. we're not cheap and, and we are a business. But definitely, I will say, people talk to program officers within NIH, within DOD, within NSF. They would love to hear from you. That's their job. Ask them, is your research a good fit to what they're managing, uh, to their program? They will tell you, you know, and, and trust their judgment. They're, that, that, they're professionals. It's hard to identify the right funding opportunity. You go through NIH listings on unavailable uh, opportunities, mm-hmm. but you have to keep in mind about 60% of all NIH awards are not solicited. And that's a good thing because they keep them open. Any idea you have, you know, pitch it to them and, and they may fund it. So that's a good thing that it's open on the one hand. On the other, it makes it harder to identify the right one for you. So just go there, try. And maybe the most important element of it is it's not a one-time shot. It's not, you know, if, if you treat it like a lottery ticket, hey, there's one application, let's try it. Let's put together an application, try, you know, do our best, see what happens. You may win, you may not. Statistics are not great. But if you do it on a very systematic manner, you submit three, four, five, 10, mm-hmm. 20 applications a year. And yes, we've got clients working with us on 20 wow. each and every year. You get to the point where you get one, two, three, five million dollars coming into the company on a regular basis for free. And that's a pretty good place to be in as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, it would be nice if every business had access to that. Uh, oh, yeah. At least, at least right. Right. Describe it. You're right. I would love to get some yeah. bread myself, but, you know, <laughs> it supports research and development. But, but again, it, it takes patience. It takes persistence. It takes systematic and methodological work. Identifying mm. the right opportunities, submitting more. And, and even if you fail, that's okay. It doesn't mean that those reviewers don't know what they're talking about. They probably do. They probably do. Read carefully their remarks. Go through the, the feedback you receive. Correct whatever needs to be corrected, resubmit. You'll do better. Yeah, that's incredibly helpful, Ram. I guess we're coming to the end of the time we've allotted for today. I'm curious, is there any kind of final takeaways you'd like to share with uh, the listeners? Not really, you know, beyond what I've already said. I mean, there's so yeah. much more to talk about, to yeah. say about non-dilutive funding. It's an endless world. Again, you know, over $50 billion, that's mm-hmm. a lot of money. But ultimately... Every dollar you get from there is incredibly substantial. And even if you don't get the money, even if you just get a score and a review mm-hmm. from the top researchers in the world, in any other circumstances, one would, you know, would have paid a lot of money to have those individuals review their work and give them feedback. So just, you know, take advantage of it. It's a great resource. Even if you don't get the yeah. money, it's a wonderful resource. I appreciate that. And where would people go to keep learning about this? Uh, number one, nih.gov. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an easy okay. one. Uh, DOD. Name. I mean, yeah. just look up, look it yeah. up on Google. We at Freemind, we hold an annual summit. That's the oh. uh, non-dilutive funding summit. We hold it in San Francisco every year in January uh, during JPM, during the JP Morgan mm-hmm. um, Healthcare yeah. Conference. We've been doing that for 17 years now, I believe. And we always have some agency directors come over to give presentations, etc. Log on to our website. Uh, we have tons of data, webinars on different, you know, on cancer, CNS, Alzheimer's, whatever, on different elements. We, we, we try to give a lot of educational, do a lot of educational work to try and promote understanding and knowledge of funding. So that's pretty much it, I guess. Yeah, well, pretty much it is a lot in this case. Uh, Ram, thank it's, you it's so much. Bad. 
Yeah, it's a lot of content in a short amount of time today. Thank you very much for joining. I'm looking forward to sharing this with everybody and you might get some people reaching out to you. And I think it's really valuable to have a greater awareness of this and some support. So thank you for taking some time out. Appreciate it. Thank you, Robert. Really great talking to you. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From Lab to Launch, brought to you by Qualia. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give the show a positive review. It really helps us out. For more information about Qualio, our guest today, or to be a guest on a future episode, please refer to the show notes. Until next time.